This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. Deep Color is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The New York Studio School offers a range of programs, including internationally recognized drawing marathons, evening and Saturday classes, and a distinguished lecture series that is free and open to the public. Applications for full-time study in the two-year MFA and three-year certificate program are due February 15th. Apply online today at nyss.org. This episode profiles Ryan Travis Christian. Ryan makes graphite drawings on paper that often depict cartoon-like characters immersed in a world of provocative activity, social commentary, and emotional self-reflection. Some drawings feature a disorienting graphic pattern behind his characters, while other pictures are more scenic, showing detailed interior spaces or landscapes. Careful value shifts and soft gradients give his drawings an atmospheric glow that nudges the work into a vintage time signature. RTC's work is full of incredible draftsmanship and goofball scenarios and walks a wonderful line between playful and subversive narratives. We recorded this conversation at his temporary studio in the bed section of Brooklyn. statement is i'm picking up where the california raisins left off so (laughs) that's it that's perfect that's perfect (laughs) um i'm trying to remember like if i can unpack how we first met i think it was in los angeles in the mid-2000s for the scion show yeah Yeah, I i remember it vividly um because we you got into town kind of late yeah night and it was like the one of the last one of the last of the gang like hanging mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you and I maybe spent uh, one or two hours sitting out front of the Culver City Hotel mm-hmm. where like the lollipop kids wreaked yeah. havoc yeah, way yeah, back yeah. when. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we'd like smoke some weed out of a Tecate can. And, Sounds about uh, right. Yeah, had, had a beer some and just yeah, uh, like. And I remember uh, we we were, we like really went into graphite. Because mm-hmm. at that time, I mean, I still use a lot of graphite, but I was you using, were doing you, those really, yeah, really dense, yeah. like cover every inch of white paper with like thick layers of graphite. Mm-hmm. I also remember, and this is maybe like during the install of that show, we were sitting out front or like I'd gotten in, I'd like, I was there late. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, I got in to see your work and I'd seen your work online before I'd never seen it in person. And you were like having a cigarette out front or something like that. And I came back, I was like, Ryan, it's really cool to see your drawings up close. And I had just gotten back from the framers. It was like in this big, beautiful frame. Mm-hmm. And and we were just like kind of sitting on the curb. And you're like, yeah, did you notice the pubic hair in there? <laughs> yeah, I was me- just about to mention <laughs> Do you remember that? that? Yes. Yeah, I got it back for the framer. And I got this great deal on it. And I was uh-huh. like, it looks great. And then, yeah, just I, I used to work at a frame shop a lot. And I you know, working almost exclusively on works on yeah. paper framed a million things. And I was like, Oh, it looks great. It looks great. It looks great. And then like an inch away from the last, it's yeah. like, Oh, there it a, is. There's a short and curly <laughs> and it couldn't have been like, it couldn't have been anything, but 
a pubic hair. Right, right. Which, <laughs> for all of us out there that have framed work, we've all dealt with a bug or, or a, a booger fuzz, or yeah. a fuzz <laughs> or a hair from something. Um, but it was like kind of a great little moment because I've always associated humor and comedy with your work because mm-hmm. some of the imagery is sort of elicits like a laugh. Yeah. Um, but that like interaction, um, it sort of was like perfect for me. Um, the other thing, like j- just like bookend that story is, I don't remember this part, but we're sitting there in this black, like sort of like fancy pants Escalade rolls up and two kind of muscle bound LA guys got out with like frosted hair and like tight jeans and tight t-shirts looked like they just come from the gym and you like those guys are going to go into the gallery and buy my drawing. Oh, (laughs) and we're like, ah, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. And like, you just told me about the pube in your drawing (laughs) and then like these two kind of cartoonish like muscle, yeah, muscle guys, LA, LA guys, yeah, money dudes. like Ed Hardy t-shirt yeah, exactly. type dudes <laughs> come out of a shiny car and like, those are my art collectors. And I was like, ah, ha, ha. and, but sure enough, didn't they go in and fucking buy the drawing? <laughs> I, I had no, yeah. I was just goofing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, those guys will buy the drawing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were all dying. Kind of like secretly hoping like they would take that pube home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and just be like, ah. uh, yeah, 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 that's true. It's like, how much is this? It's like four by six foot drawing. Yeah. It's like 2,500. Yeah, they were yeah, like, yeah. ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh, took it. <laughs> but it was such a great, like, piece of comp, like a comedic moment and almost like a cinematic moment. You're just goofing. But then, like, as soon as they went in, it was almost like you sensed it. Like, yeah. you said it, but I was like, oh, wait, you're kind of serious. And then you went in after them. So, I mean, it was like, good read. Yeah, good I don't read. know. Yeah, occasionally I pull tricks like that yeah off. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> i forgot about that uh i thought a, a kind of a cool place to start talking about your work is is maybe some of the dna of it um and i guess i'm thinking about that because i've been like unpacking my visual baggage for my own work and like maybe where some of the gestures are coming from or some of the shapes um so looking at your work over the past few days, anticipating me coming to talk to you. Um, I know kind of the like early animators and early illustrators from this particular era, like kind of the golden era, mm-hmm. um, have been important for like your, your sort of wheelhouse. Oh, absolutely. And there's one guy who I, I think in another interview that you did, I, I, you, you mentioned as someone as being important. His name is Ube Iwerks. Yeah. Iwerks? Yeah. Am I, am I I work, Iwerks. Iwerks. Yeah. Can you tell listeners who that is? Because I, I, I didn't know about him and I looked at him. I was like, fuck, he's the guy he behind like, the guy. He like invented Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Um, there's an incredible episode of The Simpsons about it, only they use itchy and scratchy. But um, yeah. I mean, yeah, he invented Mickey Mouse. Um, Was he a collaborator they, with Disney? Yeah, I mean, yeah, technically. Right. Um, but you know what I mean? When people think Mickey Mouse now, they do not. Oh, it's synonymous they, with, uh, yeah, with Walt. With Walt yeah, with uh, Walt, not Oob. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Like you said, he's kind of the guy behind the guy um, and had a falling out. So he went on to do all this other stuff, like Flip the Frog right. and blah, blah. And I always kind of thought that was a drag in a way for like one of the most, you know, famous kind of figures ever, um, in worldwide culture, uh, that like somebody else did that and kind of got 
I know. for it. Um, There's a long history of that out there. Yo, yeah, I mean, I the know. conversation right now, I mean, with Stanley just passing, everyone's like, Stanley, yeah, but Kirby, Jack mm-hmm. Kirby's yeah, actually yeah. the. Yeah, he's he's the he's the special sauce behind a lot of those characters. Absolutely. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've always just kind of been enamored with him, like because of that, but also yeah. because the work is his stuff is just it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I thought so when I was young, when mm-hmm. I was first introduced to these kind of old. 30s cartoons. Is that the era 30s? Yeah, Yeah. it started, I mean, technically it was like late 20s, but then really picked up steam in the 30s um, and went into the 40s as well. Right. Right. Um, But something about those when I was young and still to this day, I just think are like cartoon wise are the best. Yeah. Um, There's something like wholesome about them, but there's also something dark. Yeah, there's something very spooky. Yeah. you know, especially too because of the times they were made, and obviously a lot of like kind of stuff you would like wince at now, uh, just like racial. Things oh yeah, there's a lot of like or, uh, like awful racism and yeah, sexism otherness. and stuff like. Yeah. And I mean, that's not why I'm attracted to them. Sure. Um, but just yeah, I mean, I remember being little and seeing like where like almost every object in them has its own life. You know, it's mm-hmm. bouncing up and down. Um, they have this just bizarre humor to them yeah and then, like maybe another reference point is is like steamboat willie like mm-hmm. that era i think most listeners will like know what we're talking about yeah like that I mean, version of mickey mouse that's like the most there's like a like a little bit of a jarring uh in terms of how it's animated mm-hmm. it's it's like the the noodliness of it yeah it's kind of there but also i just i think it's like the the, the way that those animations were produced and drawings were made and the photography there's like a an, like a like a strange glow or aura around it it's Absolutely. like kind of fuzzy mm-hmm. um which all which also gives it that sort of spookiness and otherworldliness and like something a little bit darker yeah um but i bring those up because i feel like i see that in oh your absolutely work yeah. absolutely um yeah i mean when i started getting really serious about drawing uh like kind of as I was getting ready to graduate school um at first I was just kind of like aping like a lot of people do just artists that I was into yeah um but then yeah I don't know I started just playing I started watching those a lot again Mm -hmm. um and just kind of was like these this is the best yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, well, it's important to have that. I mean, yeah. we, all, we all have that thing. Right? Mm. Um, yeah, but like maybe this, like, let's just slide right into to your drawings. I mean, I think when I think of your work, I think of um, drawings, graphite on paper. I know you do make paintings. I know you do mm. make sculpture. Not yeah. so much anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, I always like, it's this annual like, Oh, I should probably be like a more diverse artist. Okay. Um, so then I make a painting and yeah. then I'm like, oh God, <laughs> I, I whine, I whine and moan the whole way through it right. and then I'm done and it's not good. And I'm like, well, the first one wasn't good. So just to hell with it. Right. Uh, and then I go back to drawing okay. and then like a year later, I'm like, oh, I'm going to make a sculpture <laughs> and I'm like, uh, this is also not immediately incredible. Right. 
Uh, I don't think that's uncommon. Yeah. I think with you sort of like... I'm not brave you like with stick it, it or anything. Stick one of our like brain tentacles out into some other material. and like, yeah, cool, actually. Exactly. No, fuck yeah. that. I'm returning to... I get paint on like yeah. I don't I like I wear a nice shirt when I make a painting and then I get some paint on the sleeve and I'm like I hate painting. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean drawing too coming from like a just financial place. Uh, the overhead is so low. Yeah, like my my mechanical pencil here cost two bucks. Yeah, and uh, yeah. erasers are even cheaper. And then I got the paper, and that's I'm about done. I, you know, I, I completely identify with that as someone who you know drawing's kind of the foundation, of everything I do. But one of the things I sort of latch onto is just what you said the the approachability of it, yeah, the accessibility of it. Like copy paper, you can get pretty easily, or you mm. know, run, you can find paper in the recycling bin at any old building. Um, yeah, exactly. pencils are right there, and you're good to go. Uh-huh. Um, so I appreciate that. Yeah, um, but yeah, you, I like yeah. finishing a piece and being like, oh, I probably spent. I mean, money wise, I probably sunk a dollar yeah. sixty into that thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a it's a good form to where the overhead is low. Mm-hmm. Um, but your work, I think the other thing, I, you know, I'm just thinking about the stuff that I immediately like jump into my brain when I consider your work is drawing graphite ab, uh, absence of color. I know that there have been drawings where there, where there's color in it. Yeah. And I think I actually texted you like a few years ago when I saw one, for, I was like, Oh, color, like, like a, whole, <laughs> like a whole new universe. You're like, yeah, but you're like back to black and white. Yeah. Again. Every, that, yeah. that kind of goes back to the painting and sculpture thing. I'm yeah. like, maybe I should make something in technicolor. Right. Uh, and then I sit down with my uh, set of 1,000 Prismacolors, and it's like, I equate it to like going to Walmart and shopping, where it's like, okay, I need a color for this. And then I'm like, okay, now I got to choose out of 1,000 ones. Right. And what's the perfect one? Right. Uh, and then after so much time spent, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's man, just it's- like, oh, this is a nuisance to me, like psychologically. This is a hassle. Yeah. I want to shop at the grocery store that's got like A or B product. Yeah. Um, like, is it going to be a clean black line or a, f- a fuzzy black line? Right. That's right, it. Right. Uh, I mean, I think that, I'm, again, like I understand that too. This, the like overwhelmingness of having more choices than you may be prepared to take on yeah. when you're making something. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do. I, I don't know if it's because it's easier, uh, but I just like. I like the simplicity. Well, it also seems like the, for what you're drawing and the stories that you're telling, cause I do like your work is narrative. I think straight graphite and no color is appropriate. Yeah. It like suits I, it. I appreciate that restraint and not feeling like, Oh, I got to fill all this in with stuff. And, yeah. It suits my needs. Um, and I know that like a graphic edge is also important to you and your work and I know you you utilize a pattern quite a bit as like a backdrop and sometimes these patterns are kind of op arty and they like fuck with your eye a little bit Mm. and like make you dizzy especially when I see stuff in social media like like you know in the scroll scroll it moves and you're like you're gonna make me throw up right I mean god (laughs) but it's effective because you know as someone else I I also like appreciate a graphic edge Mm. as something for our eye to latch on to and like just to like see a quick clear contrast Mm -hmm. as a as like an anchor like that's that's the anchor to pull me in and then like i'm able to sort of parse through the 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 more detailed and all these like these ball of 
figures like in an orgy setting on a pillow right there. I mean, there's no pattern in there, but um, it's those details, I think, that you want. I, I, for me, like, you see the pattern first and like you get pulled in a little bit more and like there's all these, all this magic is happening and all this like sort of subversive behavior and interactions and people fucking and mm -hmm. um, horses with too many legs and <laughs> or a scene that like, is a bunch of pianos lined up that I, like now, now I see that they're pianos, but at first I thought they were church pews. So maybe there's something about religion in that one. And, um, I mean, I guess it was, that was a pretty long setup to like, to poke you about putting in graphic patterns with cartoon characters doing awkward things. Yeah. It well, seems like that's something that you landed on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, when I started making, drawings of this nature and i mean that was that was a long time ago so they looked a bit different yeah um yeah you know i'm making these dark kind of figurative things but i also was very attracted to a lot of abstraction um right and i was like can i can i use abstraction as a tool yeah. for my work but you know without being an abstract artists totally like you know so i figured uh, i would play with patterns and stuff like that and two you know i've had an attraction to pattern from 80s like video game and right. pop stuff and then also in school like bridget riley toma apps stuff like that um so yeah i was like let's play with pattern as a tool as like one of the tools in my you know toolbox that sure. i can use um and then two, you just, you know, you see it everywhere out just in life. Um, people, you know what I mean? They blast a, like a fire truck with pattern. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. it grabs your eye and stuff. So it's like, uh, you know, it does have that effect where just people see pattern and it draws them in mm -hmm. for better or worse, right. you know. Um, yeah, and it just kind of stuck. Um, sometimes I go through waves of abandoning it because I get almost like insecure something i'm like is this just a has this just become a gimmick when right. i'm getting so many people are just like oh this is so trippy right uh because i mean that's not really my objective is to like trip you out um so yeah sometimes i drift away from it and then you know then i miss it and i come back yeah. and just, you know it's that just, makes sense yeah that makes sense. i mean even the drawings you have on the wall right here some have an op art kind of pattern in them. Some do not. Some are like a pure scene, like some guy like sailing down a railing in a, in a home snorting a line of cocaine. It looks like, <laughs> yeah. uh, but there's no, there's, there's no pattern in that one. Mm -hmm. um, but I understand that as like, yeah, you, you insert the thing that you love and if you don't need it, you don't use it. That, yeah. And, and it's sometimes it works. Sometimes it's a basic it's a, choice. Sometimes it's yeah. a dud. So yeah. it's a continual experiment too. Like how can I get these things to work well together? And I found like for a long time, these things that are almost like staged where the pattern is just the backdrop and then the figures in the foreground. And it's like I said, it's almost like a staged scene or a set or something right. that seems to work well. But after making, you know, hundreds of those, uh, I'm starting to think like, where do I go next with it? What else do I do? Um, because, you know, I want to keep things fresh for me. Maybe we could talk about, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to jump into more of the imagery that, that 
I see in your work and maybe some of the ideas I connect to that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's usually a figure or two. Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, there's a narrative. There's like a, a story being told. Um, I know sometimes current events or, or even the political climate shows up as a metaphor or there's an image that suggests the political climate Absolutely. in your work. Yeah, especially within the last two years yeah. for some reason. Uh-huh. Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, there's like this this like social component of like things on the edge and um, or even like the psyche of our social fabric. I mean, I, you use, you use uh, words and phrases in some of your work. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of that is like self-reflective, but I'm thinking of like, you did this really wonderful drawing of a reaper figure or like a ghost in a cloak and it like across the chest, it said depression or something. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Like, so there's these ideas. Um, I mean, they're overt. You're like telling us sort of what an idea is in, in this drawing by spelling it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's another one like that up uh, just over your shoulder on the right upper here, this left. One? Yeah. That says anxiety. Oh yeah. Anxiety. That one where the, the letters are kind of broken up and being juggled by these like blobbish, almost like melting Gumby figures or something like this. There's some eyeballs in there. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was made last week when I was just overwhelmed with anxiety uh, yeah. from being here, uh, alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe we could say, I mean, we're, we're sitting in this, in this studio in, in Brooklyn that you're, you're actually based in the Chicago area. Yeah, that's correct. And you're here on a residency. I mean, it might, this, this is actually a good spot to talk about like making work in a place that's new or maybe unfamiliar or just out of your, your usual zone um and if it affects the work i mean clearly you're making a drawing about the anxiety of being here i, I know you're away from your child and, mm-hmm. your, and your wife and yeah. your life and like but but is there like a quantifiable change that's happening in your work by working here i mean i, I, I think it's more yeah i mean i think it's more confused uh because i am yeah uh, i do live this very routine comfortable cushy uh, regular lifestyle at home, uh, mm-hmm. where we live, you know, where I have my little space and it's 20 feet away from my bed and I'm with my family all day right. and, you know, I do as I please. And yeah, I decided to take this residency because, uh, you know, it's hard to get New York eyes in my studio that's yeah. an hour west of Chicago. So I was like, oh, you know, it'd be a good opportunity sure. to, and, you know, also being a new father I could like get some sleep yeah. and you know go go see some things and just get a little break but yeah at the second I got here I was just like I want to go home uh, <laughs> and you know I, it's it's like a kid at summer like going to summer camp for the first time <laughs> exactly. like away from your mom and dad exactly um and yeah it's been weird I mean even though I you know I still I got all my stuff and everything it's yeah. just uh yeah, for some reason, being in this tiny little space as opposed to my tiny little space, um, it's made it more difficult or just like I said, more more confusing to yeah. process and think about. And a lot of that's just to, um, you know, everything I'm doing out here is different. And I've been to New York like a hundred times. Sure. You know, I, I'm familiar with taking the train, blah, blah. But everything seems like so much more of a chore like when I get up in the morning, I'm like, oh, God, I got to 
walk down there and get you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. get coffee yeah. which i'm just used to it being like boom yeah. in the morning at yeah. home so just everything seems harder and i'm being a big baby about it which isn't helping yeah. um so yeah the work's a little bit more confused and i've also just been kind of um it's smaller I too i mean i i know you, you like the scale of your work is sort of relative to probably your table setup because you're 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 a table guy yeah and oh, it, yeah. a lot of your work is all wrist right yeah yeah and hand i think gently tickling the yeah yeah with pen, like fine tip pencils <laughs> and erasers and do you use a smudger too yeah yeah, yeah. these are my uh this dirty yeah. cotton yeah. ball and a yeah. little q-tip yeah. yeah um so i mean just back to scale like i know you've you've worked you know 60 by 40 even larger but these are these are like nine by seven almost yeah they're they're seven by ten seven by ten um the the sheets i get tear down uh they're like they're the best scale to get the most out of the larger sheets i get and i started early last year yeah early last year i think making these just as a need to like i always have scraps of paper on my drawing table with um just like little jumping off kind of ideas that'll jot down on them. Right. And they started piling up so much. I was like, I want to start processing these more quickly. Yeah. So I'd make like a seven by 10 inch drawing every day. Like and a daily drawing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are essentially daily drawings. Sometimes okay. they bleed over, you know, into the next morning or whatever. Um, but I just, yeah, I felt the need to like start running through more ideas more quickly because I kept finding myself spending like, a month on this large drawing and these ideas would pile up right next to it and I'd keep kind of like glancing over and then some of them would become more attractive to me than the thing I was working on right um and then also too when you're sinking a month into a piece and it turns out to be like a dud yeah yeah uh, yeah. god what a bummer that is yeah so I was like yeah maybe I can run through my ideas more quickly Maybe I can learn things about what I'm doing more quickly if I'm just making a lot of work. Um, that yeah. makes sense. And it's proven to be true. I mean, I've made roughly like 500 and change of these over the last couple of years. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's nice to hear that awareness. I mean, on one hand, you're coming here away from home. You're lucky to have a studio practice that's sort of... Um, transportable you can oh, work small right portable, you can yeah. put your stuff in a in a box and, mm-hmm. and you're ready to go um but i like this idea of like like recognizing that you're in a weird space like a weird emotional space in a, in a and you're gonna work to scale to that and like try some ideas i think that's a great thing about art is like you can you can process those feelings and emotions and fucked upness mm-hmm. um and I like this idea of a daily drawing to do that. Yeah. Um, it's great. Well, and that, like, you had mentioned, like, the kind of political, social drawings that I said popped up, you know, within the last two years. Yeah. Um, that, like, yeah, that was a way, like, like most of us have worked up about a lot of things. And for me, that was a good way to process those feelings is, like, making some kind of joke um, that I, I think a lot of like-minded people can appreciate and relate to as opposed to making like sanctimoniously long-winded 
social media posts where I'm essentially yelling at my friends that feel the exact same way right, I do. Right. That, that seemed like a much more, for me personally anyway, like a reasonable way to deal with this stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is like self-care. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a youthfulness to your drawings too. And I guess that just, I mean, my cultural baggage around cartoons and me seeing them as a, as a kid and them being a very important visual influence. Um, there's a youthfulness to your drawings because I think you utilize sort of a, a, a cartoon like character often, mm-hmm. um, or a cartoon like animal. Um, and it seems like that's, but, but then, then you're inserting more, sophisticated um, ideas and you just we just were talking about the social political stuff um, you know some of the drawings up here like reference sex um, so like the the content like the the package might feel like a like oh it's this fun kind of comic scene or like still from one of these vintage cartoons like like wonderfully rendered and graphite and soft and the gradients i mean you're, you're like so incredible with gradients i'm always like the technical aspect of your work i get lost in and then i get in closer i'm like oh these are two figures in some strange yoga pose fucking each other yeah like, that's not for my eight-year-old to see <laughs> or like maybe it is we'll have a conversation about it but mm-hmm. um that's another thing I like about your work is it's like it's subversive in that way. You've got yeah, that's this like, like packaging, the, um, but then this punch at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these drawings are like the like fifteen year old like stoned, constantly erect RTC <laughs> versus the adult, you know, the thirty five year old, yeah, much less erect, much <laughs> less stoned <laughs> RTC. Um, so yeah, that like that younger like dummy me often works you know some of these are just like dumb like beavis style chuckles to me Uh um but also you know they're coming from a place that's more sophisticated um but i mean they're you know that that youthfulness is like always gonna be inside me i'd like to think anyhow my god if it ever leaves me then maybe kill me (laughs) Um, just real quick to describe another one right behind me. It's, <laughs> it's these two, uh, you know, I'm going to call them cartoon characters. They're, they're not, they're nondescript or maybe they're recurring characters. And then there's like this dog guy in the back. Yeah. That's pushing. The, that's the mayor. That that's dog the mayor. Guy. He's yeah. pushing what looks like, um, an erect penis or a dildo or something. And these two other characters have like one of those old fashioned, timber saws that you stand on either side of and go back and forth and they're just chopping the dick in half and there's blood gushing onto the floor they're on like these i mean the the wood grain and the sawhorses you like in in the floorboards you like (laughs) Like really went into old sawmill Um, only they're they're cutting yeah cutting cocks but that's just like another example of like this adult (laughs) content with a with a youthful lens over the top yeah yeah. i made that um, dynamic is nice like right after the Right after all the Kavanaugh stuff happened, I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm gonna make a f- I'm gonna make some drawings about dicks getting cut." Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> always been something. That's it's such a horrific, and not idea. circumcised. No, uh, like yeah, cut in half. Yeah, yeah, cut off. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a horrific concept, but then at the same time, like 
yeah, after all that that hearing and confirmation went through, I was just like, I want to, I'm just going to make some drawings about dicks getting cut off and that, and you know, maybe I can feel a little bit better. Yeah, uh, yeah, again, some small way. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I mean, what we're doing here is processing mm-hmm. and, and handling our own psychology. Um, so, yeah, of course it's going to. And I, you're going to tackle that imagery. I often find like, uh, you know, it would feel, it would feel cathartic to draw some dude's dick and cut right (laughs) off. Um, and I find a lot of other people, you know, I'll put that out there into the world. And a lot of other people are like, Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I thought it would be fun to take a second to do like a, a, a sort of mild competition between classic um, vintage cartoon characters and I, I'm just going to rattle off like like for example I, mean, I just want to hear who you prefer oh yeah Betty Boop versus Felix the Cat uh, Betty why uh, I think everything everything around her and the character set uh, is so much more involved Felix seems more of like a cartoon strip, you know, yeah. like a Sunday comic to me where like Betty Boop is like a world, yeah. uh, with like, and I mean, she's got personality, you know, she's got that, I forget his name, like that crazy clown. And the, there's like this whole gang sure. and this whole world sure. around her. Um, and it's just, yeah, that makes more sense. complete package. Uh, the aesthetic of it too makes sense that you would gravitate towards Betty. Cause she's, I think she's got more form whereas Felix is flat. Yeah, he's like very graphic. Oh, absolutely! Um, I totally too. I mean, if you spend a day watching Betty Boop cartoons, and then that night you look at my drawings, you'll find some things here and there that have been straight up stolen yeah. from there. Uh, yeah, and 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 that I mean, you know, one of the things that sometimes in the classroom or, or you know people talk about like co-opting something mm-hmm, existing. Mm-hmm. Where do you draw the line? Like, how do you make it yours versus? Um, you know, straight up copying. Yeah. Well, I I mean, like I said, I'll I'll copy like, I'll copy small things that I want to use as tools to convey this other thing that I'm thinking about. And that, you know, so I do make it mine. And I do think about this a lot, especially now you see more than ever, like pop art now is just essentially, I mean, I don't even know if co-opting is the right word. It's just straight up stealing things. And then like, yeah, that's that, yeah. Um, which isn't something, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in love with it, and, but I don't want to be like that. You know, I, I do right. want to make it right. mine. So, yeah, I do have to alter. You know, I insert my own things. I use other tools like the, you know, abstraction or pattern. Um, yeah, I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of little moves that I've developed. Oh, for over sure. These are these the are absolutely your characters. To make them mine. Um, these are absolutely your characters. I am borrowing some yeah. things. And um, I, you know, I'm not a student of Betty Boop or any of these characters, but but like maybe a super nerd could be like, oh, that shoe is from episode oh, 15. I get that. Betty. Do you? I, well, yeah. I mean, not like you were just saying exactly, but yeah. sometimes I'll get like screen grabs from people sent to me, and they're like. Uh-huh. Like, it's busted. I, I'm going to say that that's so obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, that's such a power move. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove that I'm, gotcha. s- I'm smarter than you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, and I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, congratulations. Yeah. Like, I do go on record as saying, like, I steal yeah. 
yeah. from yeah. the shit that I think is the greatest. It's, uh, it's such a lazy move, too, to be like, haha, look what I found. Like, <laughs> your idea is not pure or something like that. I, lo- I mean, part of me loves that there's these nerds out there that yeah. are like, I'm a detective yeah. and I'm going to, I'll take you down. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, the, the other thing, I, just to sort of like round, tie off that sort of uh, like being influenced or like um, uh, tipping your hat to some, something existing is that ideas come from other ideas yeah. as long as there's been time. Yeah. I mean, why deny that? Absolutely. And I think, too, uh, you know, homages, like they keep things alive. Sure. Uh, as well. Which is and like, if you love this stuff, of course you're going to use it. Yeah. And make like honor it in that way yeah um woody woodpecker versus sylvester the cat uh woody woodpecker yeah i would agree just for uh insanity purposes and far more far more wacky antics right uh a lot more violent not that i love violence but in those cartoons uh i mean yeah it's it's entertaining i think stylistically too he's just a cool cooler shape yeah, he's and that, that laugh. He's pointy in like weird places. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got the primaries: red, yellow, blue, mm-hmm. black, and white. Usually, yeah. I mean, how can you look away from far, that? Far, far more wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last one: Charlie Brown versus Bart Simpson. Oh, uh, jeez, I have to say Bart Simpson. That world, the world that Graining created, is amazing. Yeah, it's still. I mean, even though I stopped watching it after season, whatever, 13 or yeah. something, and I, I think it's still going on, uh, that, again, worlds I'm attracted to, uh, and that world is just so immense. And, you know, I still I still think about regularly, like, old Simpsons episodes sure. um, that That's... I was seeing when I was in, like, fourth grade yeah. uh they still certain things about them resonated with me then and different things resonate with me now um and i mean the the peanuts are great i love them they're weird i you know i just watched the great the great pumpkin those yeah. kids are so weird uh <laughs> they're so I'm trying to think of like the word for it. Those kids are just strange. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love, I love all of Schultz's line work and everything like that. But yeah. uh, again, it's like, do I want a world or do I want like a comic strip? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I want, I want the immense, immersive yeah. world and, you know, with I think, development. <laughs> now that I think about, it, I think. Um, both of them have, have like a social commentary going on about the time in which they were made. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I would probably feel comfortable saying that the Simpsons is way sharper mm-hmm. um, and poignant. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got it. They have like this constant rotation yeah. of yeah. amazing comedic writers yeah. uh, as opposed to, you know, just yeah. this one guy. Sure. Um, let's, let's talk about, let's take a second to talk about um, fatherhood. All right, uh, and I and I and I like I always like talking to artists that are parents. There's part of me that's like I should I could almost do a whole separate oral history project on artist parents because there's so much to to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have you're the father of an eight month old. Yeah, eight month old little girl. Yeah, named Adelaide. A- Adelaide. Yeah, and um, you know when I had a kid, my first kid. 
my world. We sort of, we sort of talk, spoke about it when I first came in. It was like, it's a mind melter. Yeah. Our, our brains are just like opened up and turned inside out. Uh-huh. And that without a doubt affects how we work. Absolutely. And the work we make. So I'm wondering um, how becoming a parent has shaped or affected your your way of working, the, the, the way you think about your work and so on. Um, huh. I mean, I think... I mean, that's something I'm still figuring out, I guess, yeah. as she's eight months old. Yeah, you're eight months I mean, in. she's still, affected still my work early. in the sense that I do it less because, um, you know, I spend a lot of time strolling and wiping and diaping and bath time and all that, which is great. No complaints uh, whatsoever. But, I mean, in terms of what I'm gener- generating and stuff, I don't know if it's if that's quite – if it has affected that. Or if it has, it hasn't occurred to me yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like it's affected my work in the sense that it's like the greatest distraction I could possibly ever have. It's so weird. Like, it's like all I think about all the time <laughs> at this point. And I'm sure that probably changes to some degree as I get older. But it's still so new, and it's still like. Yeah, my mind's still completely blown. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much all I talk about everywhere yeah, I yeah. go. Uh, and it's, yeah, I don't know. So I'm still I'm still adjusting to this, you know, right. this parenthood climate. Because um, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, like before it happened, I'd hear about, like I'd hear about people crying because they're happy. And I was just like, what? Uh, and then like when that happened, I was like, Bleh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or like when I left for this residency, I was like, okay, like see you guys later. Like shut the door and was just like, <laughs> and I was like, Jesus, why am I crying all the time? That's a completely appropriate uh, response. <laughs> yeah, no, like, really. I mean, I would be like, dude, check yourself if you didn't have that reaction yeah uh, you know um i mean yeah i wasn't like a t- macho tough dude before but I mean, it just turned me into this sobbing <laughs> sobbing guy yeah it opens us up it opens us up <laughs> it really does yeah and i think about everything completely differently uh do you feel like the stakes are higher because i mean, I, mean oh, I, I, absolutely. I guess like i'm absolutely. thinking about just just the fact that you've you've we've chosen to take this artistic pursuit on as some form of a career and mm-hmm. try and earn a living through it, which is, as we all know, like financially risky. Like totally. I could get completely unpredictable, I could get fired at any day or, you know, I could always keep making it, but at some right. point my market could vanish. Yeah. Um, and then what? Right. Cause I do not have a plan B. I'm not like qualified to do anything right. else. Right. <laughs> besides make these drawings. I mean, it's a question I ask myself, like, is this, the most responsible choice I'm making right now in terms of you're shaking your head. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, in terms of like chasing this life and like, and, and like maintaining a rigorous studio practice and relying on sales to pay for the bills mm-hmm. um, and like have a healthy, positive life for me and my family and my kids. Yeah. Um, and there's days where I'm like, fuck no, like no. you're saying no. Um, but also like, I mean, but I think that's a good happy. thing to like keep reevaluating. Oh, absolutely. To. Yeah. Yeah. To. You have to. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I keep, I do keep thinking about that and I found myself doing things that like, you know, a few years ago 
when I wasn't a parent, I've been thinking about like, all right, like let's look into like striking up a deal with this licensing company yeah. and like making merch or painting murals for the, the right. Chicago Marathon or right. whatever, which is stuff before I'd like, I just wasn't thinking about, wasn't interested in. Um, but yeah. I mean, I remember like five years ago, I was like, I, you know, I didn't have much money and I was like, I need some extra income outside of my work. So I like applied for a job at like the hardware store and like yeah. Target and like didn't get those jobs. And I was just like, holy shit. Because like, you didn't have like a service industry resume or something I, like that? I, I don't know. They didn't really what tell me. What type of jobs have you had? I guess this is a good place to pivot into like survival and like how we subsidize our studio practices. I mean... I know you're selling work and, and a majority of your income comes from that, but what are some of the day jobs that you've had to, uh, while you, while you've sort of found your footing? I worked, Oh, well I found my footing. I mean, when I got out of school, I was a machinist at this company my dad worked for. So I was machining parts for plastics machinery. Um, Whoa. I mean, in, in I the mean, Chicago area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was like after, you know, I've had a bunch of dumb, like, high school kid jobs or whatever. Sure, sure. But I mean, outside of school, it was like that. Um, I've been in and out of frame shops a lot, um, so I know that world well. And then, Trying to um, keep pubic hair out of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing my best. Uh, and then, like, selling weed. It, like, that about wraps it up. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's a means to an end. Yeah. Um, Easiest damn job. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure there's stories for days around that too, which I don't do anymore for the record. Right, right. There you go. Um, you know, this is, this is a complicated one, but I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, and it's this, this word that, that sometimes pops up with, with illustrative based work or work that's rendered in a certain way is this, this like idea of style Mm -hmm. and where that, where, when that word gets used and who uses it and how they use it. And how the, using the word style is sometimes a turn off for certain artists. Um, I'm just wondering because, like, when I was reading uh, like past interviews with you, like interviewers have like brought that up, like style, stylistically, and your style and this sort of thing. And um, I'm just wondering how you feel about that word. If you're you have like firm terms for it or are dismissive of it or something else. No, I mean not really. Um... I mean, I think I use that word referring to other people. I mean, I've always just thought when I've always just thought when somebody's like uh like your style is like your complete overall it's like an umbrella way of talking about um kind of everything you're doing right. as opposed to having to pick it apart mm -hmm. and all that. And just like a I don't know. Uh yeah, I don't know. I've always thought styles just a quick way to be like your complete package. No, no, I, I, I tend to agree. I also feel like I associate that word, at least in, in art, like, I've, you know, one of the great things about your stuff is it transcends scene. Like I feel like it could function in like some like, um, illustration slash comic subculture zone, mm -hmm. but it also will like operate very well in a contemporary art gallery. Yeah, like, that's one of the nice things I appreciate your work—the fluidity of it. Like, Absolutely, where it, it can fit, it does do that. Yeah, I have like um like the alternative comics people from 
the Midwest and beyond occasionally reach out to me to be part of, uh, you know, some publication or something like that, which I, I do love that. Yeah. I mean, um, cause I don't want to make some of my favorite stuff is in, is, is in all comics. Right same, now. Yeah. same. And I don't, you know, I don't want to make things just for whatever. Sure. But I bring like, it up cause I like this word style gets sort of thrown around in the comics world because it's, it's almost like a, an identifier, like mm-hmm. this style, that style. And I also associate, artists that use the word style to describe their work or others is people that have like real amazing natural ability and, and talents and gifts at making something Yeah, like just real, like crazy craft um, versus like a high concept artist that might, like we were talking about before we turn on the mics, like artists that outsource all the fabrication of the work they're just the idea person like I, I feel like that type of artist probably doesn't use the word style yeah so i, yeah, I do, do have yeah what is that right style? i sort of like sort of invoicing connect, yeah <laughs> i connect it to this to this like um you know like very personal th- craft that's, okay. that's been worked on over a lifetime usually yeah. when we're kids like you strike me as someone that was like the drawing kid yeah i was oh totally yeah, I'd sit next to like girls I thought were cute in like fourth grade and start drawing because I knew they'd be like, "Oh, what, like you're good at drawing." And then like I was like, "Oh, I could talk to people that way." It was yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that makes sense to me. I haven't thought about. I mean, to be honest, I haven't thought about the word style that much. It's just another thing to just toss around or whatever. But yeah, what you're saying makes total sense to me. Yeah. Uh, especially in contrast to people that don't have a lifelong craft or whatever, you know, outsource. Right, right, right. Everything. Right. Uh, let's talk about um, showing this stuff. Okay. You know, we, I just sort of like, you know, mentioned that your work sort of transcends scene and I feel like functions very well in different settings, which is one of the wonderful things about it. But can you talk about maybe the trajectory of like you putting your work out in public and developing an audience and maybe your first show sure. um, and how you, how you got that and, and, and sort of like how things unfolded from there. Yeah. Well, I, uh, yeah, I got out of school in 2007 and right, right around 2000, probably by 2008 started making work of this nature, even though, like I said earlier, it looks considerably different, you know, mm-hmm. what I was doing 10 years ago. Um, and yeah, my first, my first solo show was at a small space in Chicago that was, uh, run by somebody who graduated maybe a few years ahead of me. So I put on this show and it actually was like my first, you know, I'd done a few group things before then. Um, but this is my first like full blown gallery solo show experience for me um and I was really and so I had I had that and then like a week later I was opening up another solo show with uh Guerrero Gallery in San Francisco yeah Andreas yeah Mm -hmm. Andreas um and my thing in Chicago I thought you know I put everything I had into it and didn't well then (laughs) the guy who ran the space calling me when I'm on my way to San Francisco and he's like dude what the hell like nobody's buying anything uh he's like no and one's coming this is in the Gallerston Chicago <laughs> yeah and uh 
it's like, it's your responsibility to sell yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, well, it's like, Jesus. like, you know, that's, this. that's like, your the, job, that's man. That's your job, too. <laughs> uh, and then, like, I landed in San Francisco, uh, and he's, I get this voice message from the same guy. He's like, hey, hey, buddy, like, give me a call. Uh, so I give him a call, and uh, a couple people bought like everything in it oh wow um, and he was just like, yeah like in like the, we did the it. six hour period <laughs> yeah, between you got yeah. on that plane yeah, yeah. to when you landed he's like we did it <laughs> like you know hooray do you want you know do you want to join our program and i was just like mm. so, yeah, let's think about that yeah uh, i mean that's just was, real quick that's one of the things that's sort of something that artists have to navigate is when there's a lot of financial transaction all at once that makes you attractive to to the gallerist and they want to try and figure out how to bear hug you. Yeah. That's what you're describing. Right yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, we'll think about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and That's... ended up declining and working with the place that I still work with now in Chicago, which is Western Western exhibitions. Yeah. And they are great. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't see which way the wind blows. He really, he shows what he likes, uh, whether it's, you know, they're cool or not. He's uh, committed to, to you, the artist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. Um, yeah. And then, you know, from there, just, uh, you know, doing doing different shows, like working with Andres in San Francisco, opened me up, uh, or like the show that you had mentioned earlier that Andrew put together in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I met you and Ryan Wallace and uh, all the, you know, all these people that I you know, doing all these things, I've developed all these different relationships yeah. with people and it just kind of keeps growing. And and also too, when I got out of school, you know, I used to interview people that I admired and stuff for that fecal face website, yeah. which I don't, I don't even know if it's still operational. That or was not. John Tripp's site, right? Yeah. 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 In San, uh, out of San Francisco. Out of the Bay. Yeah. And, um, that opened me up to, yeah. It, discussing, you know, things with artists I admired so I learned a lot that yeah. way but also it was this kind of unforeseen way of networking and stuff and I was I would also do like Chicago show coverage for them um and then he would invite me to like curate things way back then right 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 which was exciting yeah. too because that was like a different avenue to do something without making my own work and yeah. it was fun for me to bring like I feel like you did that a few for like a few websites other than Fecal Face. Didn't you do some? Yeah, I mean, briefly for like a Beautiful Decay. That's it, Beautiful Amir, Decay. Amir's yeah. Uh, thing. Yeah. I just kind of stopped doing it because I'm a lousy writer. Right. Um, like I did some great interviews, but uh, that's because the interviewee was incredible. Right. Uh, when I look back at them, I'm just like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> such a dope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it all just was kind of. No, I think it's good that you're pointing out sort of the, the, the social aspect. Yeah. I mean, well, that's always been really important to me. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my, I mean, besides like doing what I want when I want, um, meeting people and making these friendships or just acquaintances or whatever. What t- I mean, there's like, you know, you meet a lot of great like-minded people everywhere you go. Yeah. They're everywhere you go. Um, and it's so fun and it's so, it's so nice and rewarding just yeah. to spend time and, you know, it keeps growing. I've always been very social. And then like a lot of the shows I would organize were also just purely for fun, social 
practices. They yeah. weren't, they're, you know, they're not to make money. They're not to um, appear a certain way. They're just for fun right. to get tons of people together. Right. Like some of those like 100, 200 person shows. Right. It's like I've had so many unforeseen like opportunities arise from just um one night i was at a bar just with so and so uh or you know and then like three years later you know something springs from that and that's not yeah. what it, you know it's not like that's not a demand yeah. from socializing but it just naturally occurs yeah. occasionally and every time it does it's like oh it's wow. a healthy thing to do neato it's a healthy yeah, i yeah, think yeah, yeah. i mean i really encourage encourage um yeah people around me uh, you know to, to like figure out how to talk to other artists and look at other art and talk about art with other people versus, you know, messaging on. Insta yeah. Like yeah. That, that's know? another, yeah. That's another thing. That's uh, uh yeah. That's kind of like faux, faux friendships yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But it's also weird. Like everybody knows who everybody is now, but also they don't, but it's false. Yeah, I think exactly. it's false. Um, I mean, we could go on for an hour talking about that. <laughs> Just like the, the, like, like, falseness of social media relationships yeah. but the, like uh, reduction yeah. of like talking yeah like talking about work has been reduced to like an emoji this, yeah, yeah this emoji that emoji yeah. that emoji fire that's yeah. fire fire you know earlier in in, in this conversation you, you, were, you were talking about sort of like your emotional state and, and like processing that through your work um and i you know i, I wondered if we could talk about sort of you know i i think that being an artist in, in this life and sh- choosing to try and figure out how to show the work and earn a living through it is is an act of courage mm-hmm. um, and an act of bravery. You know, and I'll and I'll you know let me let me little asterisk like we're not doctors, yeah, we're not social workers, <laughs> like yeah, um, we're not humanitarians. Yeah, you're not like calling those, those us are incredible heroes. Yeah, th- yeah, that's like truly heroic. Mm-hmm. But but I I do think there's something to you know pursuing this. Uh, you know, there's a lot of risk and challenge involved. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could talk about like how if you define it as a courageous act and like. I don't. Maybe I'm reaching here, but um, no. I I mean, I mean, my personality would be more like it's like a foolish (laughs) gamble. Um, But no, I do agree with what you're saying. Um, And for for me, like a lot of other artists that are fully fully in, you know, um, like it's just I kind of don't really have any other choice yeah i know a lot of other people are like that it's just like i can't i I can't do anything else um that wouldn't totally crush my soul and spirit and um i mean there is something special about making stuff and i've been trying to remember that even with like stuff i hate like when i hear like pop music and i'm just like oh this is trash but i'm like at least this person's making something, yeah. even though I despise it. Um, I have to give them at least X amount of respect um, because this person is creating something. They're contributing to culture. Exactly. It might not be For our better thing. or worse, in my opinion. Yeah. And you see a lot of people do get something from that. Yeah. And it, too, I also reflect on like some of the culture that I was participating in is like when I was like a young buck and uh, just how bad it was. Um, but it's also... 
you know, it made a big impression on me mm -hmm. and a lot of my peers and stuff like that. So there is an importance no matter what, yeah. no matter how horrible or, you know, the movie or the song or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, I've yeah. been trying to remember like, okay, these people are making something yeah. and that's, it's not easy to make something not and then put it out there. Yeah. Um, that's like, you know, that's opening yourself up to like a pretty vulnerable place yeah. and making I mean, something. I guess that's what I mean about like the whole like courageousness because when we put something out there, we're inviting judgment. Mm -hmm. And that's a, I mean, I, you know, we've been doing this long enough, so we sort of have developed a, a way to process that judgment and yeah. that critique and that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But it can be tough sometimes. Um, and never... because this stuff is so personal and so, you know, emo emotionally driven sometimes and reveal, you know, there's a lot of portraiture in... I don't mean like I'm drawing a picture of you, but this is like, this is, we are in these drawings, these yeah. paintings, oh, these yeah, sculptures. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when, when someone's being critical and like maybe being a dick about it, they're like kind of being a dick Yeah. to your brain. Like, you know, that's you, you, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I know, I know what you yeah. mean though. Uh, I, I, I have never worried about it too much. I used to always joke, like I would like pray to get like, ripped to shreds in art form just like shit on yeah, in yeah, art yeah. form that would be the dream because that wouldn't bug me yeah um i'd just be like oh i know <laughs> but like if like if my like wife like cuts into something i do then i'm like yeah. <laughs> like that really hurts but i do i have met a lot of people that do um you know they did they they're so anxiety ridden and fearful of that from you know anyone um no yeah, i think that's so good like that. having having those parameters like you know we make work for ourselves and our loved ones first and like they're the audience that we want to like mm -hmm. have behind us and supporting the work yeah art form not not like hitching their their wagon to yours is not the end of the world and kind of a great thing maybe yeah, <laughs> i don't know uh, yeah. just be me uh, memorable yeah. at the least yeah um, um what what about like um, when you're satisfied by your work? Are there are there any is it, does anything come to mind like that keep you? What I guess it's, it's me asking like what makes you keep coming back? I mean, you just talked about like I need to do this. Yeah. Um, can you maybe can you describe or pinpoint the things that are like when they're like landing for you and like everything's sort of in the right spot? I mean, just what, what those are. It when just kind of happens like. Um, it's almost like cyclical, just like every now and then either I'll get an opportunity that's extra exciting, like yeah. something I've always wanted, and then it winds up presenting itself, which is rewarding because it's a, like a showing opportunity. Yeah, like a showing opportunity or just, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, yeah. like a lot of us, I've always kind of kept my eyes on certain places and yeah. this and that, and then some of those things have panned out for me and that's very exciting that's and amazing. it presents this new challenge and then also just from a making standpoint you know i mean to be honest i'm not in love with every single thing i make but here and there i do make something and i'm just like yes that's like, how it's supposed this, to be i think this one yeah. is a home run yeah uh, it's, you know other times i'm striking out sure Sometimes there's like your ground rule double kind of thing. Um, I'll keep going with baseball talk, uh, but you get, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, like yeah, when totally. you do hit that home run, it's like, 
yeah, let's go back and, uh, you know, keep going. Build on that, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, uh, it's sooner or later, there's going to be another. I know, run. man. I feel like, I, I mean, I've, I think I've said in the past, like, one in ten paintings or drawings of mine, I'm like, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, those aren't great statistics. Uh, <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not even three hundred. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but when you do, like you say, when you when you when you do nail it, mm-hmm. it just like there's there's few feelings that sort of match that. I used to get that from to like skate. Like I used to skateboard a ton, and yeah. I was just like you know falling, like bleeding, falling, rolling your ankle, falling, and then it's like holy shit. I just learned that's how a make. to do a heel flip yeah. off of like two steps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, exa- you know, all that punishment um, that's like self-inflicted yeah. um, seems totally worthwhile when you like stick that thing finally. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's and, a good metaphor, the skateboarding, like and then trying like, that trick for three days and then finally making it. And then when it happens, it's just like, oh, yeah. it's so self-satisfying. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's an incredible feeling, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, what's on the horizon? Um, I know you've got, you mentioned a couple shows in New York next year, um, yeah. but is there, I mean, I want to, I'm, I'm not quite ready to end, uh-huh. but, but I want I do want to ask, um, what's coming up or like what things you're working towards, even if it's not real, it could be like a dream project or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean the constant, the constant dream project is to make all this stuff move. Um, like an animation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but not, not, I don't want to use a computer though. I want to do it like those old chain smoking, like dust bowl German dudes. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, a yeah. composite. So I keep, Cell you animation. know, this is like a constant threat I keep putting out there, but, um, you know, Gotta do um, it. it's a, it's also a pretty overwhelming endeavor. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the dream. And I constantly have ideas for that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but outside of that, um, no, you know, I just, I have a couple shows, uh, two solo presentations in New York next year and a smattering of group shows here and there. Right. Um, I've gotten into, I'm like designing, I'm designing like a fancy handbag with this Tokyo company called Hunting World. Cool. And it's kind of. I don't know, trying some new things in that regard. Sure. Um, I think there's more of that out there. And it's, it's, um, I don't know, I, th- I feel like it used to, like, people used to be suspect about sort of collaborative selling, selling out. Yeah, or something, something whatever. about like integrity and all that. But I mm-hmm. think, I think things are a bit more relaxed these days because people understand that, you know, we, we have to pay rent somehow. Yeah, baby's um, got to eat. Yeah. I mean, I just hope that we all make choices where, uh, the product that we're choosing to, um, line ourselves up with isn't a hundred percent evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know exa- I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I don't know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And I, I mean, I, I want to see these move too. I think that's, yeah. Great. It sooner or later it's happening. Sure. Uh, I have, I have everything ready to make it happen. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. More on that later. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, you know, we start, I started off by telling a story. I think that's one of the great things about this project is, is it's an opportunity to, to tell stories mm-hmm. and to connect through storytelling. You know, I told the story of how we met and yeah. you know, these, these, uh, these two guys about your work mm-hmm. in, the, in the very beginning there. And I'm hoping that you can end on, um, a story you told me in, in Los yeah. Angeles at that yeah, time. Yeah, I and saw it was, this coming. And it was, um, 
One of the greatest stories I've heard, I mean, and it may, may have been because it was maybe three in the morning and many beers deep, uh-huh. um, but you, you, you told this sort of, it was kind of a ghost story. And I, I'm, yeah. you know, can you share that? I'd love to get this story yeah, on record. Yeah, Because I tried to replay it to friends. They're like, that's bullshit. I was like, this dude was so convicted. <laughs> so so that convinced. drives me nuts because it, hit, yeah. it hits or misses with me because some yeah. people I'll, I'll spend 10 minutes telling it to and then yeah. they're like, fuck you dude (laughs) get out of here yeah and then other people are like (gasps) um but yeah uh just as like yeah a precursor this is like a (laughs) hundred percent true i have no reason to make this up anyway uh yeah so in the year 2000 um my girlfriend and i at the time go to meet up with our weed dealer who's this tall lanky hippie guy this is this is in the chicago area yeah this is in algonquin illinois um and my dealer bobby uh is a pizza delivery boy uh so we go down to the bottom of the hill that i live up top of to meet him it is a pizzeria place in the parking lot we're hanging out with him in his subaru and listening to something like bootleg dead tape and smoking bowls and after a few minutes he gets like really wide-eyed and turns to us and he's like holy shit do you guys want to see the most fucked up thing ever and we're like yeah obviously yes yes, please (laughs) what and he's like okay you gotta wait for this other delivery guy named ryan to get back from a delivery so we're like okay uh okay so we're just sitting there in this (laughs) clam bake car yeah uh, this like just shitty little pickup truck whizzes into the parking lot. This guy, Ryan, gets out. Bobby to Ryan. He's like, hey, they want to see the demon. Uh, and he's like, yeah, okay, one sec. Like, I got to go check back in. Just goes into the pizza room, comes back out, and he goes to his shitty little pickup truck. And he gets out of the passenger seat. He gets this uh, black plastic it's like a trash bag uh that's kind of rolled up to some degree gets it out it was in his car what's it yeah it was like i thought about it and logistically he was putting his delivery pizza like his pizza bag on top of this thing because there's no other place in the cabin like that it could have went without the pizzas being diagonal uh yeah so he gets this like plastic out and it's like immediately, it's like kind of stinky around us, like roadkill stinky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like something is dead in that bag. Yeah. So he, you know, he. he What's pulled, the light? What's the light like? Because this, this is, is this it like night. this is like three p.m. daytime. Oh, it's in the afternoon. Like yeah, okay. it's like sun's out. Okay. Um, yeah, and there's a few people in this parking lot. Yeah hovering over this plastic bag so he, he proceeds to pull like a big wad of clear plastic out of that but it looks kind of stained it looks stained or like something like maybe somebody like smeared some like jam around somewhere in there mm-hmm. uh and, and then the odor gets really really foul like to the point where we step back and are just kind of like yeah. um he unrolls this plastic, and once he does, there's this dead little man that's about like two two feet in length, roughly, but totally proportionate. Yeah, 
like how it we wasn't are. a baby. No, it wasn't a baby. It was yeah. this little man. His little eye sockets were dried up and sunken in. Um, there's all these decay, like there's decay around the mouth everywhere. Yeah, um, just like, like rot. Yeah, like yeah. Decomposition is and happening. And you could see like uh, bone structure, veins, all that. Its color is probably like a, it was like this like gross, it's like leathery. You could tell there's still like some moisture like in this thing, but yeah. it's this like gross ochery sienna kind of. But yeah, little man, little junk, little hands. Um teeth were all brown and like just like these rotten little teeth mm-hmm. um so fingernails uh do you remember or yeah, toenails I, they were, I, you know what i don't remember the nail situation okay. exactly um but so it's this dead little man um it just smells like complete hell and you guys are just like what the fuck at this point yeah, are you still wh- like kind of like oh, oh it's a little man or, i mean well no i yeah what the fuck all the way <laughs> yeah but then he flips it over, like he's holding the plastic and he rolls it over and this thing has like wings, like these two bones coming out from where its shoulder blades are. Yeah. And these just like shriveled, gnarly, you could see veins running through them. They they looked almost kind of like um like pig's ears. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're yeah, like yeah, dogs yeah. non. Yeah. But larger. And these things like are like wings. stuck to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're like stuck to its back. Um, so he's showing us this like dead little man with fucking wings coming out of his back. And naturally we're like, where the fuck did you find this? Yeah. Thing? Like what? And this is 2000? 2000. So this is, this pre- is a year before. This is pre-camera phone. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Kind of pre-cell phone. Like cell phones weren't widely distributed at that point yet. No. It was still no. like, uh, like, oh, you. Some people still had beepers. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, I'm junior year of high school. Okay. Um, so yeah, naturally the first question is where, why, why, what the fuck is that? Where'd you get it? Why, where'd you yeah. get it? So he's telling, <laughs> he's telling us that his grandma recently passed like, and that a few days before we had this encounter with him, um, his parents are like, you know, come on, we're going to clean out grandma's house. So he goes there and his dad's like, I'll start in the basement. Mom's going to start in the kitchen. This is also in Illinois somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Grandma died in McHenry, which is near, near Algonquin. Okay. You know, it's a 20 minute drive or something. Okay. Um, just in case anyone listening is yeah. familiar with this area, paints yeah. a, you know, picture. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, he had attic duty cleaning out his dead grandma's house and he went up there and just, smelled this foul stench and found the this dead little demon dude in the attic um and this this is like the super stoner young you know young kid from the suburbs so he was really paranoid we we're like why are you just driving around with this nasty yeah. little thing like i was like take it to the field museum and he's like oh you know like what it, i found a fucking dead demon yeah. guy uh like what if they just take it and like, <laughs> yeah. know, he didn't know what to do with it, which I don't blame him. I don't know. Thinking rationally around an irrational situation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what I'd do if I found a dead little winged man yeah. at my grandma's house. Um, right. So yeah, regrettably, like you said, there was no way to document this. Um, and after it, it totally spooked me. Like I kept picturing all these like weird scenarios 
with like winged little men <laughs> or like if I'd hear something rustle in the bushes, I'd just be like, shit, Damon, <laughs> uh, for like the longest time. It just totally spooked me. Um, but yeah, we had no way, you know, now if it was now I would take a full blown, like, you know, video, three, yeah, yeah, surround video and document the hell out of it. Um, but yeah, I can only tell people right. about it and I've never seen the guy since I know a few other people that have seen it and when I was in college I reached out to them and I was like hey could you just type out just how you remember your experience being seeing this dead little winged man yeah um and it yeah everything they sent me was extremely sane you know there's some like it all lined up yeah it I wasn't mean there's like some a, like minute little um yeah. discrepancies and as far as like details of like right. how it looked or something but like that. but it wasn't like a like a acid trip no it wasn't like, like or you smoked something no that, not okay. at all not at all um and it, it was it's like not like a really clever like prop or toy yeah. or something like yeah. that i'm a thousand percent convinced it's this little winged man yeah. that just opened up so many questions in my head like what gave birth to that yeah i'm certain that's not the only little like demon devil man out there um where are his brothers and sisters yeah exactly do they <laughs> like do they bite you yeah. uh my god um yeah <laughs> so god. That's the i mean time it's, i uh it's a crazy story haphazardly man. stumbled across the little a little devil man oh my God. <laughs> and i still think about it it's from funny time to time yeah man i mean it's funny like when i decided to do this this you know you were on the list like i gotta get ryan to talk about that <laughs> demon story because yeah. it stuck with me then and it's sticking with me now and i'm glad i'm I'll glad be, we have it on record yeah me too um i yeah I, well, i'm curious to see if anybody else has seen something of that nature you know i tell it from time to time yeah. i tell it less and less as the years go by it's sure. like i said a lot of people are just like get, yeah. get out of here yeah um, but two of my wife's friends, um, I told them, them this story and they're like, Oh, that's a duende. A duende. And I was like, what's all right. They're like, tell me more. Yeah. Um, and they're like, Oh, duendes do, um, like a witch's bidding. So like his grandma was probably a witch and this, and they like when the witch dies, so does the duende. Um, so Whoa. they were just like, oh yeah, we know all about that. <laughs> they like snatch kids. They do this, they yeah. do that. It's very uh, normal for some people. Yeah. Maybe. They didn't like even, yeah, they didn't think twice. They're wow. like, oh yeah, you saw a duende, like big whoop. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I went online and like researched right. duendes right. and all that. But, uh, yeah, God only knows, man. Uh, yeah. And I hope it's a I'm, great story. I hope I never, and see. I hope I'm able to sleep tonight. I mean, it spooked me out then. <laughs> it's spooking me out now. <laughs> But Ryan, I really appreciate you um, participating in this project. And, um, you know, for, first time I saw your work, you know, I really connected with the graphite and the drawing because that's something that's important to me. Um, but the work is so fun to get lost in. And um, you're so prolific. I love the production and the work ethic behind it um, and the stories being told and the the duality of the youthfulness and the adultness and the sort of um, provocateur that come of you, like in you that comes out through these. It's mm -hmm. really really impactful and, and powerful stuff. And um, I want to see it move. I want to see it be animated. And maybe there's a an animation about a demon baby <laughs> or a demon man. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for having me, Joe. Yeah. I genuinely appreciate it. We've made it to the end 
A quick reminder that you can learn more about each contributing artist, find links to their online portfolios, and access the archive of past recordings by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. Be sure to share this project within your community and rate and subscribe in the Apple Podcast directory or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and check back soon for a new episode.